DNI isn't only about underrepresented groups, although it's very, very important that underrepresented groups have a quality opportunity. It really is about a quality of opportunity for everyone within an organization to be their best, to achieve their best, to be recognized for the best talent that they bring to the business. Welcome to Talking on Tap, ABM Babs podcast series. I'm your host, Elaine McCrimmon, Global Director of Reputation and External Engagement. I'm very excited to bring to you founder of Ariely and Company, Susil Ariely, to discuss the partnership with ABM Bab and to deep dive into the Women's Leadership Program. The program helps senior female leaders at the company take the next step in their leadership and career journeys. I'm a huge fan of the program, having benefited from it myself. The program uses data to gain insights into our leaders' hidden strengths and opportunities and creates personalized development through one-to-one executive coaching. So what does success look like for women in the one-year executive development program? And what is the data showing? Let's talk to Cecil and learn more. I have such a great guest for us today, Cecil Ariely, CEO and founder of Ariely and Company. Cecil, welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to be here, Elaine. Thank you for having me. It's been so long since I was on the program myself, but I've got lots of questions and lots of people who are desperate to hear more about the work that you've been doing with ABM Bev. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know us, We're a consultancy based in London, as I'm sure you can hear from the accent, but we do work internationally and we specialize in building executive leadership capabilities. Really, our focus is making sure that good strategy translates into efficient decisions and execution on the ground and ultimately delivers the kinds of results and transformation that companies are looking for. We've been working with AB InBev since 2019. So really, we started working with you just as the COVID crisis was beginning, a very interesting and difficult time to be working with the business. But it's been a wonderful partnership for us. And we've partnered with you on several different initiatives. So just to give you a couple of examples on the Global Psychological Safety Training Initiative, on Inclusivity Day, that was some work that we did in DNI with Labatt up in Canada, and then running executive development programs across the business. One of them that we're very proud of takes place in APAC, and another one is the Global Women's Leadership Program with Global and which impacts all zones. Wow, fantastic. I know we're going to deep dive into the Women's Leadership Program, but you mentioned psychological safety. So can you explain a little bit more for our audience as to What's involved in that? Sure. So psychological safety or psychological well-being is about people feeling that they are in a work atmosphere where people ultimately have their backs, where they're working on a team, where they can speak up, share ideas and essentially grow. So that's psychological safety and well-being. 
I think it's so important for all companies and cultures and teams to be able to have that and really understand exactly what's evolved. So focusing more on the Women's Leadership Program that uses the psychometric data to really gain insights from leaders on their hidden strengths. Can you walk us through how that data is used to really create individual and personalized development programs for the female leaders that are on the program? Absolutely. First of all, let me take away the jargon from from psychometric assessment. Essentially, this type of assessment seeks to bring hard data to soft skills. So when people say how resilient is a leader, how good are they at creative thinking, how good are they at engaging a team, what we're doing is measuring what type of behaviors will drive that. And we're really seeking to understand how good is this individual at it and how can we compare them against other leaders. So we take this data and you ask me, how do we use it to drive impact for people on the program and also for the business? We use the data to do two things. Well, many more than two things. I've made it very simple, but I think simple is good sometimes. We use it really to understand opportunities for people to grow. And then we use it to understand the most efficient way to help them do that growing. So in that, let me give you an example. So we might see an opportunity for someone to leverage even more of their strategic thinking. So there we would identify you have a capacity for strategic thinking, but you're not bringing it to the table every day consistently. So we identify that opportunity. And secondly, we can use other aspects of their data to understand how can we help this person bring that strategic thinking to the table every day as quickly as possible. Specifically, what concrete actions do we need to give that individual for them to focus on day-to-day at the business to deliver that strategic thinking? So you've touched on the psychometric data and the very unique and personalized development programs, but there were so many added benefits. One of the things that I thought was incredibly helpful about the program, especially when I was on it, was the actual individual coaching and also the core group and the building of those really strong relationships and broader network within the business, which I still use today. Can you share a little bit more about the actual process and the full program that you brought to the table? Absolutely. So one thing I would say, and you've touched on this, is one of the key things that we aim to do through the program is connect great leaders to other great leaders. And we do this both within the program and actually beyond it as well. And it's funny that you asked that question because only this morning I was connecting a participant of this year's program with somebody else from an entirely different part of the business because I saw an opportunity, and this is why we do the connections, for them to exchange advice with each other, for them to exchange resources, for candid conversations that really can drive the business forward. And I think this connection building is so incredibly important across organizations, particularly organizations like ABI, because there's so much knowledge that can end up in silos. There's so much collaboration that can be missed simply because a connection has not been made. And I think in today's world, to be able to keep up with the pace of consumer trends, to be able to keep up with everything that's happening, quite apart from what's happening in our consumer markets, but what's happening in global political and economic situations, we really need to be connected within our organization so that we can respond quickly and with the right solutions that are going to drive the business forward and support some of our other priorities. Yeah. I know how well connected you are actually throughout AB and BAV, but also the program really does bring those connections 
through those individual core group meetings as well. So what would success look like for women who's in the one-year executive development program? How would you be able to describe that? Yeah, so that's one. I'll give you the cop-out answer and I'll give you a really good answer. The cop-out answer is it looks different for everyone. And that's because what we understand is that at this level of senior leadership, what success looks like for you can vary quite a lot from leader to leader. So that's one thing, right? So it varies from individual to individual. Now, I said I'd give you a more concrete answer. And that answer is this. It looks like elevated career and leadership outcomes. So every woman that's been on one of our programs should be achieving more and better than peers who have not been on the program. If I'm being very strict about it in terms of how we're looking at has this made an impact or not. This looks like yearly KPIs being exceeded or even exceeding what was expected in terms of exceeded expectations. It looks like team engagement improving. And it really looks like the woman's reputation and the value that she's perceived to have at the organization and the value that she does have at the organization should go up. So in simple terms, her social capital at the organization should also go up. And a simple way to measure that is connections. And we spoke about that earlier. I know how popular the program is and you know already how much a champion I am of it. Tell me more about cohort three. Is there anything that's changed or different? Absolutely. So I think what's very interesting about cohort three is, I don't know if you know this, but when we started the program, we took the 50 most senior women across the whole of ABI's business Cohort three, we're starting to expand the program beyond and down into the different bands of the business. So what's very exciting about cohort three is you see more people kind of working close to the ground of ABI's operations. And so you see the challenges, but also the opportunities coming through with that. I think we're also seeing a cohort that more than ever are extremely reflective and thinking very, very carefully about what does the future hold for the business given Michelle's 10-year plan. We didn't have that in the same way with cohort one and cohort two, obviously with the move over from Brito. And we're seeing that with cohort three, how they're finding ways to translate his strategy into reality, which is very exciting. That is fantastic. And it was such an honor for me, certainly, to be part of that first cohort group. So moving away from the Women's Leadership Program and thinking about diversity and inclusion in its broadest sense, what are your expectations for DNI in the future? So thank you so much for asking this question. I think it's a very interesting question. And with the companies and portfolios that we advise across for our clients, we certainly get a keen perspective into what the future might look like. In your question, you said DNI in its broadest sense. And I think, you know, when we talk about the workplace and when we talk about the world, DNI in its broadest sense is really something about people feeling seen, people feeling recognized, people feeling that where they decide to work, for example, is a place where they're included and where there's a sense of belonging and yeah. a sense of we're going to win together. We're going to play together, we're going to win together. If we lose, it's not going to be a blame game. We're still in this together. I think it's really important to share that with you. And I think we stand at a crossroads in the history of DNI. To put that in perspective, let's recall that in some ways DNI began in the States with the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which made it illegal for employers to discriminate on the basis of race, color, religion, gender, or national origin. 
Now let's think about some recent events. So three weeks ago, the Supreme Court made its ruling to overturn Roe versus Wade. Today, the World Economic Forum published its 2022 gender gap report, which estimates it will take 132 years to achieve gender parity. And then, of course, recently there have been criminal investigations into fixing of the ESG ratings, where, of course, the S relates to the DNI. So there's those events. Of course, there are other events and more positive events, I would say, that are equally important when we think about the crossroads at which we stand. When I think about the future DNI, I see two realities that may come to pass. One of them is a dystopian reality. The other one is an evolved reality. Let's talk about the dystopian one first. So in the dystopian reality, we end up in lots of conversations where we are using our difference to divide us, where we really start to talk about, I am this, you are that. We are so different that we can't find a way to work together. We can't find a way to have honest conversations. We can't find a way to develop together in the direction of whatever goal matters to us at our organization or beyond. And in that world, we get a situation, unfortunately, where DNI can become co-opted by individual interests or particular interest groups. We also see a world where technical terms are misinterpreted, misapplied, people seeking justice, feeling that they were wronged, might not achieve that justice. We get all those types of things happening, which we don't want to happen. The evolved reality is a very different one. And it's one where I think we almost in some ways have to step away from all the terms and all the things that divide us and find the things that unite us and find the things that direct us towards a common goal and a common vision for what we want our teams to look like, what we want our organizations to look like, what we want our nation to look like. In that kind of reality, we're really thinking about processes, practices, and behaviors that align us to include each other and to create more equality of opportunity. And that is a really, really, really exciting world to be in. And I would say that is a world that respects the different entities that exist within our societies, whether it's a government, whether it's a not-for-profit, whether it's an organization with commercial interests, because there, DNI becomes something that is integrated closely with strategic priorities. And so we might have similar values, but we express them differently and always in a way that includes people. So when you ask me, what is the future of DNI? It really is about what actions organizations take, given we stand at this crossroads. And in any case, it's a critical time to act with a sense of urgency and to make meaningful steps to support inclusion and to hold any exclusionary or quote unquote bad behaviors accountable wherever they exist within a business. Yeah. And being the forever optimist, let's hope it's that second one that you've painted. And as we think in ABM Bav, that we dream big to create a future with more cheers, a future which is more inclusive, more sustainable, a future that we can all celebrate and be part of. And I think there is a role for companies, not just the what we do internally, but within mm. our sphere of influence as well, whether it be with our brands or or others. I know that you've touched on a lot of advice there to give other companies starting that process and making sure that it's authentic to them. Such a big challenge that some companies don't even know where to begin. So what advice would you give to companies are really starting to think seriously about this process? Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more because there is a lot of pressure for organizations to look at this. 
And in addition to that, we are operating within an economic environment and a political landscape often and an economic landscape that is quite challenging, right? So what advice would I give to companies? I would say, number one, review your progress in DNI so far using a holistic framework or measure of DNI maturity. That's incredibly important. And just to give you a sense of kind of what I'm talking about here. So for example, in our framework, we have four levels. So one is foundational, where companies are more focused on DNI compliance. It goes through to enlightened, which is about being programmatic in approach, to integrated, which is about being leader-led. And then the final stage is level four, which is where the focus of any DNI agenda within a company and the initiatives associated with it are on strategic value creation. So really tying the yeah. DNI agenda with what brings value to the business and its employees at all levels across all functions and throughout that organization's entire ecosystem. So use a framework to really understand where you sit in terms of DNI maturity. And then once you've done that, pinpoint areas that need the most attention. And to kind of bring a little bit of color to this. For example, there was an article put out by the CEO of AT&T recently, Anne Chow, and she criticized the use of the word journey to describe a DEI agenda. And instead, she argued for a defined mission, comprehensive measurements, and impactful milestones. Coming back to my point about using a holistic framework, she did this because sometimes when we keep saying we're on a journey, we're on a journey, we're on a journey, people can feel that not enough is actually being done to create that equality of opportunity or sense of belonging within a company. And it can actually be quite an easy fix if one has that holistic framework. I think the second piece of advice would be don't rush up. Don't rush to catch up if you feel behind. It's better as an organization to get things right and to set a clear step-by-step plan to get to a goal that is authentic to your organization than it is to rush. And then the third piece of advice I would give is don't forget to have a clear DNI vision. So often organizations can get hung up on, I have this goal, I have this goal, I have this goal for DNI. And that's incredibly valuable and important. But vision is also very important to get people engaged across the organization in any DNI agenda that you have and to ensure that the right actions, behaviors, initiatives are being embedded into the company in order to shift the needle. That's great advice. And the results also speak for themselves in terms of the companies that perform well are diverse. It's in everyone's interest. And so I think following that framework that you've laid out is fantastic. But finally, let me ask, what would be your message that you'd like to share with either the women on the program or other aspiring leaders? So there's a few things here, aspiring leaders and women on the program. I think the main thing that I would say is master the art of intentionality. It's absolutely critical as an existing senior leader or an aspiring senior leader that you are aware of what you want, that you're clear about what you want to achieve, not only towards the final stages of your career, if I can put it that way, but at key milestones along it. And to really start to apply the strength of your analytical mind to, okay, well, in order to get there, these are the skills I need to have. This is the experience I need to demonstrate. And then ultimately, this is the kind of leadership style and the kind of leadership behaviors and habits that are going to get me there. And I think en route to that, it's incredibly important to make sure that as you progress through your leadership and your career journey, you're setting KPIs, 
you're tracking your progress, you're conducting root cause analyses when things don't go to plan, and that you're perpetually building your relationships and collaborating with people who are going to challenge you to grow and to be your best. Fantastic. I think that's a great point to end on. I think that's great advice for any aspiring leader, not just those that are on the program and to really have that intentionality and forward-looking plan. Cecil, thank you so much for joining us on the program, but more, much broader thank you for the program itself, the impact that it's had on the entire organization. And certainly from me, the impact that it's had on me, I've had a fantastic experience and excited to connect in with the other women that I've met on the program. Thank you, Cecil. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Thank you, Elaine. What a fantastic initiative. I'm so pleased that more colleagues are getting the opportunity to experience the program. It's amazing to see how this partnership is supporting women from across the business all over the world and see them take the next step in their leadership and career journey, as well as see such a strong internal network being created. I'll have the opportunity to speak to some of those leaders in future podcast episodes, so stay tuned. Thank you to founder of Ariely and Company, Cecil Ariely, for joining us on Talking on Tap. And of course, a big thanks to our listeners. If you'd like to learn more, please visit ab-inbath.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. And if you think others will enjoy it too, please share. We are AB InBev. This is Elise Puma from the AB InBev legal team. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by AB InBev solely for informational purposes and is general in nature. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers who are not officers, employees, or agents of AB InBev, are not necessarily those of AB InBev and may not be current. AB InBev does not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the content contained in this podcast. Nor does AB InBev offer any sort of legal, financial, or other advice in the podcast content. Any liability, therefore, is expressly disclaimed. Certain of the statements may have been forward-looking in nature and based on current expectations and views of future events and developments of the speakers, and are naturally subject to uncertainty and changes in circumstances. AB InBev does not undertake any obligation to provide any form of update, amendment, change, or correction to any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions set forth in this podcast.